Welcome back, Moto New listeners. This is Amanda, and I'm here with Trent. Hi. And we are ready to talk about the Argentina MotoGP race that just happened. Yeah, round two of the World Championship. It was pretty exciting. <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun. A lot of a lot of fast rides, a lot of good racing, and a lot of spills. But this was an interesting one. The drama started way before race day. Uh, pre-race got a little out of hand. But anything you wanted to cover before I jump into that, Amanda? Um, no, just a reminder that we are two fans. We are not part of the media. We just like speculating and figuring out speculating that's really the best word for it but go ahead Great. with the pre-race and we'll take you guys along for the ride <laughs> now the pre-race we got to talk about this stuff i know i didn't used to watch it but this time half of the excitement was before race day even began now just a little primer for you guys uh they kind of have a, they have qualifying, they have free practice. All of these things contribute to who starts in first place, second place, third place, etc. Now, this starts off with the first three practice sections. Free practice one, two, and three. These are all 45 minutes long. And this is when the teams are trying to figure out how to set up their machines. Remember, each one of these machines is a crazy laboratory experiment. And they've got to try and figure out how to do it. They're not allowed to test it during the week. So they're trying to get it all figured out while at the same time setting a fast enough lap time to get into the good qualifying session. Now, the qualifying sessions, there's two of them. The first one, qualifying one, called Q1 for obvious reasons, is where all the slower guys are. Uh, this, are this is everyone whose times were ranked, uh, I believe it was 11th and below, and they are going as fast as they possibly can. The fastest two advance to the next qualifying session and are able to then compete to try and get a better grid spot, but everyone else has to start from 13th place on down. Not where you want to be, especially if you're a factory rider, <laughs> a fast rider. Um, then in Q2, that's where the big boys come out to play. That's where they're trying to set their fastest time to start on pole that's in first place, get that good starting position. And the reason for all this is you don't want somebody who's amazingly quick in the back and all the slow people in the front because then they have to pass them all and you get a lot of crashing. But due to some flukes and weather, that's kind of what we got this weekend. It was really, really fun to watch. So in the first two free practice sessions on Friday, they had decent weather, but they knew it was going to rain. At the same time, it's a tricky circuit. It doesn't get used much. The tires weren't cooperating. Everyone was having a really hard time getting their setups. A few teams got decent lap times in, but then come the next day when everybody should be trying to set a good time and get into the good qualifying session, it rained out. Well, and It remember got rained out. Oh, go ahead. And remember that they had to do their, um, what was it, five laps on the tires? This is true. Michelin, on the, the first tire day? supplier, yeah, Michelin, the tire supplier, required each team, every single rider, to spend at least five consecutive laps on a certain tire to make sure they got enough data to verify that they were safe and good. But again, that cut into all the teams testing and finagling and fast lap time. They had a lot to do in a very short amount of time. <laughs> Definitely. Anyway, so some teams got off fast enough laps to get into Q1 on Sat on Friday, and other teams just didn't. They weren't quite there yet. Uh, notably among them, a lot of factory guys were stuck in Q1 in the slow qualifying session. Um, this is partly because, remember how we talked last week, that the satellite bikes, they're on hand-me-down machines from last year. 
Now, all these things are crazy science experiments, but the ones from last year kind of had the science experiments done already. Now, these things have a lower envelope of maximum performance than the factory guys, but they're a lot less fiddly. They can get set up quicker because they had been run for an entire year before. So what this meant was we got a lot of satellites, a lot of slower bikes in the fast session because they got set up quicker on the first day and a lot of the faster bikes stuck in the slower session for that very reason. Now, qualifying one was a blast to watch. It was <laughs> pretty it was splashy fun. out there. It was, it, was, it was a lot of fun. It was very wet. A couple of crashes, nothing really consequential. But the tricky thing out there was in Q1, let me go to my notes here because whew, it was exciting. Uh, in Q1, you had, oh my gosh, Let's see, big names alone in Q1, the slow session, you had Jorge Lorenzo, a three-time world champion, currently on the factory Ducati. He's the big guy, not kind of struggling on the bike, but big name. Uh, Andrea Davizioso, other Ducati, placed second last week. Danny Pedrosa, factory Honda, always up there. Valentino Rossi, the veteran, the doctor, his 350th race, trying to get his 10th world title. Again, uh, we also had Jack Miller, who's on a satellite Honda, but has won a race in the past, and Johan Zarco, that guy who led a few laps last race on the satellite Yamaha. Those all big names, really where they shouldn't be. Now, in Q1, it got pretty crazy. Rossi, it looked like he, the doctor, the big man on the Yamaha, was going to be stuck with a really lousy starting position. And then on his last lap, after the flag had dropped, last chance, he sets a blistering lap time, tops the charts, only to be surpassed a second later by Danny Pedrosa. Now, unfortunately, this bumped Andrea Davizioso, that Ducati who fought so hard for the win in Qatar and then lost it just a couple of laps from the end. <laughs> he was stuck way, way down on the starting sheets. Now, Q1, you had something similar. You almost had an advantage from those two guys who managed to sneak through from Q1. Remember, those top two get times in the slow qualifying session, make it to the big show. Those two guys kind of had an advantage. They had been out on the on the tires. They had been on track. They had an idea what the conditions were like. And so, but still, in Wait, qualifying... You mean, you mean Q2. I think you said uh, Q2. You're right. Q2, I apologize. In my head, one is the good one. <laughs> I'm still working on that. Um, thank you for correcting me. Um, getting into Q2, we had... Ugh, it was very exciting. We had uh, Loris Baz putting on a great showing. He he had the top time early on, but he got bumped pretty quickly. Um, Iannone tried running out on slick tires. Didn't really work out for him. He had to go back to wets pretty quickly. The really exciting thing, Carol Abraham. I had never heard of this guy. He's on the Pull&Bear Ducati. He's on the two-year-old Ducati, GP15. Qualifies in second behind Marc Marquez. So you've got Marc Marquez, the reigning world champion, in first, followed by Carol Abraham on a two-year-old Ducati, and then Cal Crutchlow on a current Honda without support, a satellite Honda. Uh, following him, it, we didn't have another factory bike until fifth place with Danny Pedrosa, then those two Yamahas. Uh, Maverick Vinales in sixth. This is the guy that won last race and is the favorite in pretty much everything right now. And then his teammate in seventh, Valentino Rossi, the great one, the doctor. <laughs> Those two guys on the Yamahas, they are the ones to watch out for. Yeah. So coming into this race, we have... Seriously, look at Carol Abraham's Wikipedia page. Not much there. A pretty much nobody on a two-year-old hand-me-down bike qualifies in second. It's crazy. <laughs> um, in the meantime, we've got our big names. We've got Andrea Davizioso, that other factory, uh, Ducati. factory Ducati, in 13th. We had 
his teammate, the one that Ducati is paying big money to, Jorge Lorenzo, sometimes called J-Lo because we can. Uh, all the way, You don't so see it, it here, listeners, but I'm rolling my eyes right now and shaking my head at Trent. <laughs> yeah, and these things happen. Uh, the struggle is real. So coming, just coming out of the pre-race, before the race even started, everything is topsy-turvy. We've got amazingly fast people way down in the back. We've got slow people up in the front. Or are they slow? We don't know. We're going to find out. The buzz was all about Carol Abraham. What was he doing in second place on the starting grid? Now, the trick then becomes we had that dry session where some people snuck through, then the wet. On race day, it was dry again. So nobody really knew how to set up their machine. And that was lots of fun. It was lots of fun indeed. But that takes us just to the race. Uh, and it was pretty haywire. Amanda, take us there. Well, before we go there, I do have to say my favorite part of Q1 was watching Jack Miller be so mad that... Um, they didn't they couldn't change the tires fast enough and he was he didn't have time to go out again and you don't see that a lot in moto gp i feel like you see that more in like moto 3 where they're just they're little kids still kind of and anyway it was it was just heartwarming to know that they're real people it is fun to see the frustration <laughs> um yeah uh, yeah, the kicker there was he really did kind of get shafted. He was in a decent position to set a solid time and maybe make it through. Kind of doubtful when he was up against the likes of Pedrosa, uh, Davizioso, and Rossi, all three on mm -hmm. Go Fast Factory Machines. Mm -hmm. But, you know, he might have stood a better chance if he had had the time to get out there on the tires, and his team just couldn't do it quickly enough because the that qualifying session is very, very short. Uh <laughs> Yes. But yeah, give us lap one, Amanda. It was okay. really good. So lap one, the race starts. Um, Jorge Lorenzo gets, or he clips Andrea Iannone in, on the first turn of the first lap and crashes out. Luckily, he was not hit by any of the other riders or injured. Um, in fact, in an interview later, he said the best thing from that race was that he wasn't injured. Um, oh, he really should have been. You watch the replay. He crashes into this guy's back tire. No fault of the guy he ran into, which is weird. Um, and then misses but, two other riders. Yeah, they nearly like, ran over him. Yeah. It was, wow, talk about luck. That was fantastic. So we're very, very glad that he's alive and healthy and able to ho hopefully bring us some excitement in the near mm -hmm. future. Um, so at that point, Marque Mark Marquez on the factory Honda is in the lead. And Vinales, Maverick Vinales, and um, Valentino Rossi sneak into um, third and fourth with Cal Crutchlow behind Mark Mar Marquez, um, which was kind of exciting just because, again, Maverick Vinales and Valentino Rossi started at sixth and seventh, so they bypassed some riders to get there. Um and then on the third lap, Mark Marquez crashed out on turn two. Big, I cannot like, underemphasize this. <laughs> so before that, he had a, what was it, two-second lead? Yeah. Going in through those first few laps, the guy, the reigning world champion on an albeit 
uh, an admittedly unruly motorcycle starts eking away a lead. Mm-hmm. You've got, uh, unfortunately, Carol Abraham wasn't able to hold on to his second position, but you've got Mark Marquez on the factory Honda, Cal Crutchlow on the satellite Honda, kind of slowing up these two Yamahas behind him, these big threatening Yamahas. We were getting all geared up to see a fight between the reigning world champion, the man who is just insane on that Honda, Mark Marquez, up against Maverick Vinales, the upstart, the guy who seems kind of invincible right now. And then to have it all taken yeah. away when he loses the front end, I was devastated. I really wanted to see that <laughs> showdown. It was I wanted to, it was going to come down to the last lap, and I was going to be bouncing up and down, and it just didn't happen. Hopes were dashed. It was tragedy. Yeah, indeed. Well, and it was interesting because he had that was the same place he crashed out in one of the practices, and then um, and later he said that he had just been pushing. He was pushing so hard on this bike that's kind of unruly right now, and he just lost it. Well, we can't factor out the fact that he does have the difficult bike, and there's it seems like there's some combination of the tarmac on that track, a little bit not less used, a little bit mm-hmm. bumpy, um, and the way that Honda is set up, because not too many laps later, his teammate on an identical bike had been an exact same crash in the exact same place in the exact same way. I actually- think that... About half of the race in. So was, Regardless, yeah, the guy had the ex- the the crashes the like you same. could you could loop the two together and you would think it was the same guy going down. Oh, if definitely it wasn't for the numbers on the bike. Uh, and so with Danny Pedrosa out, that's both factory Hondas lo- lost out. The current reigning championship bikes just removed from contention, and that <laughs> it's well, rough. Yeah, well, and what I liked about that is um, Jack Miller, who's also on a Honda, commented that he. Um, struggled in turn two as well several times because just because of how the track is set up and how um, the more how the bike is set up um, that it just it we don't know more than that it's all vague terms well I yeah but the way Jack Miller was saying explaining it was that it the time that you have to give off the gas and put on the brakes and or there was too much time and the bike would basically wiggle around and they it was easy to lose control and um so it's a miracle that Jack Miller made it through the whole race let alone Crutchlow oh, yeah. or Cal Crutchlow um so we had seven riders crash out or retire from the race which is about a third of them um not just that though the writers who were removed from contention. Let's see. I've got a list here. Oh, I have a list. Can I read you my too. list of people that were removed? Yeah. Okay. We've got uh, crashes. We've got Mark Marquez, Danny Pedrosa, both the factory Honda efforts and mm-hmm. the reigning world champion. We had Jorge Lorenzo on a lap one. Um, later on, you had his teammate, Andre Davizioso, that guy who fought so hard uh, the other week, removed when Alicia Spargaro on the factory Aprilia, who did their very good showing in sixth the other in Qatar, crashed into him, got forced wide, bumped into him, took them both out. It was a mirror image. Poor Andre Davizioso. Last year at Argentina, the exact same thing happened. His was his own teammate at the time, crashed into him, took them both out. Wasn't it the this, same place? Probably. Uh, and that was the same track. I don't know if it was the same turn. Okay. Um, so we had both factory uh, Ducatis, both factory Hondas. The Alex Rins on the factory Suzuki was removed. His teammate did not crash out, 
but was effectively removed from contention from a kind of bogus false start. He sort of flinched on the start, and according to the rules, they say, oh, that's a false start. You have to do what's called a drive-through penalty. He had to go through the pits at, you know, slow miles an hour when everyone else is doing mm-hmm. 200 or something ridiculous, and effectively removing his race when he got no advantage out of it. He didn't even cross the line, and I think that was real. I know it's the letter of the law and all that, but I think it was really, really tragic that his race got removed completely, and he was the only guy who didn't get any points, and he really put on a pretty solid race. Oh, definitely. He was in there fighting hard until they made him do that and then just threw him all the way at the back. He was There's just no way to come back from that. And so both factory Suzuki's, one with a crash and the other with a bogus penalty. So let's see. We've got Suzuki is gone. Aprilia crashed. The other one had a broken gearbox. Ducati is gone. Honda is gone. The only factory effort left is Yamaha, and they're the dominant team anyway. <laughs> and lo and behold, they finish 1-2. Uh, amazing. Spoiler it's... alert. <laughs> We're doing a podcast. We're supposed to spoil it. Um, let's see. Other exciting. Let's see. Anything else that got. Yeah, I I really feel bad for Andrea Davizio. Oh, so. definitely. 11 laps to go. Uh, fighting for seventh place. Uh, yeah, they just get pushed a little wide, almost ran into somebody else. And next thing you know, Alicia Spargo just loses that front end trying to avoid crashing into someone else. Mm-hmm. And away they go. And you can see it. He feels so bad. It, you watch the footage. It's really not his fault. It was definitely an accident. Uh, he, I don't think he had control of the situation. When he's so quick to go over and apologize. And, and he, you can tell by the body language that he feels so sorry. Yeah, it was it very, very different from last year when Iannone felt bad, but... I, I don't think was he was like, quite man enough to go over. Mm-hmm. He was kind of went off and sulked on his own. Yeah. But oh man, nobody looked as mad as Marquez. Yeah. After so his now, crash. now we get, we need to talk about um, the fight between Valentino Rossi and Cal Crutchlow. That was good. Um, <laughs> Give us the play so, by play, please. <laughs> excuse me. Uh, so Cal Crutchlow was in second place for most of the the race. Like, clear until probably seven laps to go out of 25 when Rossi finally overtook Cal Crutchlow. Um, uh, you can tell us more about the, the I think excitement. I can. <laughs> uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, we had Vinales started to make his getaway pretty early on, but Rossi just couldn't get past Crutchlow for whatever reason. The difficulties that haunted him through the off season, and oh, he always seems to struggle pre-race. I'm waiting just once. Rossi's got to be on form before the race, but you know he always shows it on Sunday. I guess that's what matters. Um, Crutchlow, but it's kind of, it kind of is exciting. It is. It really is. It builds the drama of. It's almost like he plans it, and we have to thank him for that because it's a lot of fun. Anyway, so Crutchlow is doing the best he can. Uh, He's really racing good. Every now and then he'll get a little bit of a gap, and then Rossi works his way closer, and then uh, comes and goes and makes a couple of passes attempts. Uh, Finally, I mean, I've got on my notes just going every single lap, Rossi versus Crutchlow, Rossi versus Crutchlow, Rossi getting closer, Crutchlow fights him off. Uh, Eventually, yeah, seven laps to go. On turn five, Rossi finally gets past it. Crutchlow tries to make it make it happen, but Rossi does make it stick and starts to get away. And you kind of wanted to see him try, try and chase down Vinales, but Vinales was too far ahead by that point. Just wasn't going to happen. He was 2.5 seconds ahead. And in a race measured by tenths and hundredths, 
that's, that's just a really, annoying. really big deal to mm -hmm. overcome unless you've got some sort of advantage to press, which he didn't. They were on the same tires on the same bike, etc. Um, a lot of fun there. Crutchlow, interestingly enough, after the race, in interview, Crutchlow mentioned something. He said, I think I could have fought for the win. However, beginning of the race, guy got a warning light. Wouldn't tell us what this warning light is. The internet seems to be speculating. And when I say the internet, in this case, most of the stuff I'm reading is on Crash.net, their MotoGP page. Definitely go read up on there. Lots of great stuff. Better information than we have, that's for sure. Um, he mentioned that he's got this warning light and that made him back off a little bit. Now we're speculating that this is a fuel warning light. They've got a really easy thing for the engineers to say is, hey, have a light saying you're burning too much fuel. You're not going to finish the race. And he I did love, say, oh, did, go ahead. Did you listen to his post um, press conference interview? Which one? The one with all three riders. The podium. I think so. I believe I did. So I loved how they asked him about or I loved his response about this, where he said um, he, his pit crew kept saying, you know, Rossi zero, which meant that he's right on his tail. And um, like you said, it was just again and again and again, lap after lap. And it, yeah, you and cannot he, breathe easy when you see Rossi is right behind you yeah. on your pit board. And so he would say, Cal said that he would try and push and then the bike, the warning light would come on again. And so he'd have to back off. And so um, at, by the time that Rossi passed him, he was just happy to take the points for um, the factory, for his team, LCR Honda, for um, the manufacturer Honda, because the other major Honda riders had crashed out. And to just have the points to be on a podium. Um, I thought that was very mature of him to kind of break it down that way. Yeah, totally. And, oh, my gosh, uh, what I wouldn't give to see him do that kind of thing. But it really does seem like uh, it seems like either fuel or overheating because he did say that if that warning light kept saying it's going to he wouldn't be able to finish the race. So he did have to back off. Real bummer for him. Hopefully his team can sort that out and he can push a little bit harder, give it a little bit more this coming uh, weekend. Um, but let's talk a little bit about points. Now that we're in the second race of the season, we're able to start adding things up. We've got to talk about championship points. Okay, I can do that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Tell us all about the points, Amanda. So if you win first place, you get 25 points. If you come in second place, you get 20 points. If you come in third place, you get 16 and I believe, nope, and if you get, yeah, then I believe it just goes down from there, right? Uh, pretty much. Only the, only the top 15 riders that finish the race earn points. So it goes all the way from 16 or 25 points down to one point for the 15 riders. Now, remember how we said that almost everyone crashed out or was removed from contention in one way? <laughs> Your blue shell was My the only shell. one to not earn yeah, a point this race. The, the only one, oh, well, apart from the people that Well, to that cross the out. finish line yeah, and not earn a point. 15 places of points awarded, only 16 people finished, and one of them was just, he was only collecting data for the team at that point. It was a real <laughs> bummer because he could have done some great stuff. Yeah. Um, Oh, man, that would have been so exciting. But, alas, we had to make do with a lot of other excitement. 
Um, thank you, Kyle Crutchler, for providing <laughs> that for us. But yeah, we've got uh, just the disparities. So these points are cumulative. If you win first place in every single race, you're going to get 25 points every time. And there comes a point in, at which later in the season, somebody's going to have so many points that even if they don't show up to the other races and their closest rival wins everything, they cannot beat them mathematically. I think last year it was four races towards the end, four races from the end that Marquez had clinched it, and there was no way anybody could beat him for the championship, and he was declared the champion. Now, well, and then he crashed in, out the last three. Then he crashed out every other race <laughs> afterwards. So, But hey, you know, he got the, the T-shirt and the trophy, so good for him. Yeah. Uh, the, the kicker is now that we've got two races under our belts, we're able to see how things are stacking up. And Mark Marquez's defense of his championship on that factory Repsol Honda is not looking well. No. Because, yeah, the magic man, Maverick Vinales, has won both races, netting him a total of 25 points. Each. With 25 points each. And a sum of 50 points currently coming out of Argentina. Second place is... His teammate, also on the Yamaha, the old man in his 350th Grand Prix, (laughs) the doctor, Valentino Rossi, with 36 points, down 14, which is seems like it's pretty easy to make up with a win at this point, but not so easy when the last few years have come down just to a handful of points in the very end. It's pretty tricky. Then Davizioso, guy didn't even finish this race, but got uh, got 20 points from the first race in second place. Uh... And then what's really interesting is we go through four satellite machines before we get to the reigning champion, Mark Marquez, with only 13 points to his name after the first two races. That's a 37-point deficit to the championship. That is huge. Now, I know this early in the season, it can be made up for by a bad day by Maverick Vinales crashing out or something similar. And these things can and do happen. I expect it to at least once in the season. But so far, the guy's been flawless. Fastest in every preseason test. Fastest in every qualifying session. Fastest in pretty much every free practice. Fastest in every race. How do you beat this guy? Make it snow. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, weather really is the great equalizer, and I look forward to seeing more of that. That does bring us... It just brings us back to that interesting thing of uh, that... You know, maybe having weird weather at the right times can change things up. Definitely. A rainy season, a rainy race makes things seem a little bit less legitimate, but it also brings people out of the woodwork and makes slower, less powerful machines like that Honda that's struggling with power right now with its new engine. It kind of makes up for that since the grip is diminished. Uh, we see something similar, like we had the rain just in the middle of the weekend that threw off all the qualifying and gave Marquez a great start. If he hadn't crashed so early on, it, I feel like what he was going for there, and it seems like most of the pundits agree, he was trying to make as much of a gap as he could because he knew those tires were going to give out later in the race. Uh, Vinales was going to be catching him, and the idea was to build enough of a buffer that he could hold on by the skin of his teeth at the end. Mm-hmm. And it looked like he was doing a pretty good job setting that up until it was all taken away. And with that in mind, the championship... Two races in, it's hard to say how wide open it is. Because I know things are going to turn on their head. I want to see great things from Davizioso, who's currently ranked in third. <laughs> well, he's my favorite. <laughs> he is One of favorite. my favorites. And my favorite is Andrea Iannone with that Suzuki because who, he crashes right now, into everyone else and messes everything up for everyone. Who right now is in 20, 22nd 
place. Well, he's tied oh. for last. Oh, so sad. And I'm pretty sure he's only ahead of of Sam Lowe's because his because it's alphabetical. Well, you know, let's enough with the <laughs> gloom and doom. Let's talk about some good news. We had my my favorite showing of the whole race really was the man who led a few laps in Qatar, Johan Zarco on the satellite, the second, the junior varsity Yamaha. He started in 14th place and finished in 5th. Definitely. Now, I don't know how much of that is due to everyone else crashing, but that's an impressive showing. And because of that, we had a lot of guys coming out of the woodwork. Sadly for Carol Abraham, who started off in 2nd, he wound up in 10th. So he, I think he lost more places than most anyone. But he was happy to finish in 10th. Oh, yeah. On a two-year-old Ducati? That's huge. Yeah, and on his second race. He was, I think he was blown away that he was second. Oh, yeah. He really, really shone in qualifying, and that was impressive stuff. So we had a lot of great people coming through, but, uh, yeah, lots of riders picked up five places from qualifying, mostly because of the retirements, but Johan Zarco picking up nine places. Mm -hmm. That's just great. That's heroic, and he's really showing. I loved the commentator's comment when... And I don't remember who he was who was trying to pass him. I didn't write that down. Maybe you have that. Um but on with 17 laps to go, um someone passed Zarko and Zarko answered right back and passed him again. And the commentators kind of joked and said, "Don't pass you you don't pass Johan Zarko." Unless you can make it stick, because yeah, he that, will was come Al- right that was that Al- was Alvaro Bautista on a satellite Ducati, the other Pull-N-Bear Ducati, I believe, the white one. Uh huh. Um, and yeah, it's I've got that in my notes. Bautista passes, doesn't stick. Seventeen laps to go. Um, well, and we saw that in Moto Two with Zarco, where just turn after turn, it would just flip, where it it would where he would pass somebody who would just pass him, and kind of stick it to him almost. Yeah, that's that really is my favorite kind of racing when uh, they just go back and forth and back mm-hmm. and forth and back and forth. And my notes cannot keep up, and it is just <laughs> great. I absolutely love it. And Zarco, I look forward to seeing a lot of great things from him on that. I think that about covers Argentina. Now we get to speculate. Up next, it's Texas. Oh, yeah. Circuit of the Americas. This Give is us a little their... primer, Amanda. So this is the fifth time they've been here, I believe. And Mark Marquez has won every single time they have been at the Circuit of the Americas. That's right. His debut season, he was super dominant. And that his debut season was also the year Circuit of the Americas or CODA showed up on the calendar. That's right. Yep. And so this year they're, they're kind of speculating of, is it going to be Mark Marquez again? Is he going to win another time? Or is someone else going to take that from him? Um, well, the real question is, can he win it uh, with the current difficulty he's been facing on the machine compared to those true. Yamahas? That's true. But it's Mark Marquez. I mean, he, he can pull things out of a hat. He he has we made saw that before. <laughs> We've <laughs> seen it true. before on, yeah. a Yam- on a Honda. Um, but I know a lot of the riders are really excited about this circuit, that they really like them. I know Maverick in one of his interviews said he loves the circuit of the Americas. It's just a a great track for him. It suits his style. So I think he's going to be, again, I think he's going to be in fighting position to win. Um, Yeah. 
I big know, surprise. What I'm, what I'm kind of hoping to see is I want to see the tension heat up in the Yamaha garage. Traditionally, what tends to happen is Rossi, again, he's been there forever. He's <laughs> the goat, the greatest of all time. He's the doctor. He's the man. And every time he gets a teammate who's better than him, then the tension builds and they start to hate each other. And it's great for us to watch them have a soap opera to themselves. However, this year he's been a lot more chill, even though Vignali has been dominant, simply because Rossi hasn't been competitive. Well, he's been competitive, but he hasn't had the pace. He's hasn't had the confidence and such. I want to see Rossi get that confidence back. Well, so he, he can... I think he had got a little bit of that back last race because he was saying when he finished the race, he was saying he felt a lot better on the bike and physically than in Qatar. So I'm oh, wondering if maybe he was coming off of like an illness or something in Qatar. Complete speculation, but um, he said that they had made improvements on the bike last race. So I'm hoping, I, again, I'm kind of a Rossi fan this year and I don't know why because... I think it's because he's the underdog for a change. I guess. And and I kind of do want him to get the tenth win, but then I don't. I I don't. Anyway, we'll see. The guy's got so everything he does makes history. Again, we just watched his three hundred and fiftieth Grand Prix appearance. Yes, and he's been and in, in it his, in the sport yeah. for two decades. And what a showing he put on! The guy started off in the slow qualifying session, way down on the timesheets. In the last, they drop the flag. He's allowed to finish that last lap, sets the fastest time, beat out by a hair, just again by Danny Pedroza, makes it in the next qualifying session, only qualifies seventh, and then comes up to second place after dealing with the likes of many other talented riders. Yes. None of those are mean feats. And he really, really put on a show. And I look forward to him becoming more competitive because I want to see the hatred between him and Vinales bloom for my entertainment. I I want to see the Hondas get their act together. And the Ducatis seem to have finally been building to a crescendo and this year really are able to bring it. And I want to see at least those three factories all be really, really in contention for the win on any given weekend. That's what I want to happen. And with any luck, Texas can bring that to us. Definitely. Uh, I... I wish I had looked up who won or who placed last year other than Mark Marquez. Um, I want, but I, I really hope that there's a fighting, like it's a, a photo finish for this. It one. seems likely because one of the things about Coda, because it's a newer track, um, it's very designed. It's planned out. They sat down and they said, hmm, what'll make a good track? And they made sure they had lots of nice, safe runoff areas. So when you crash, there's no mm-hmm. trees for a very long way to crash into. Good spectator areas, long straights, I know really there's a hard lot of, breaking zones. Well, And I know there's a lot of overtaking areas. Lot. They planned it that way. Well, they definitely. designed that track for Formula One where it's impossible to pass. So they they designed it for Formula One to be passing. What happens when you're on MotoGP machines where they're all <laughs> over the place? Oh, it's phenomenal. So, yeah, it's a very good track. All the riders love it. Also, unlike Qatar and Argentina, this track gets used. So it doesn't have any weird surface issues. So it's really a much more picture-perfect track in terms of layout, in terms of amenities, in terms of... They always mention elevation changes, which are a blast, which mm-hmm. I, are some of my favorite things on any racetrack. Um, Laguna Seca, always dear to my heart. But <laughs> Texas was engineered that way out at Austin. And it's all the riders love it. The surface is good. I think we're going to be seeing a lot of machines 
kind of come into their own this coming weekend. I hope so. I mean, the crazy track service that seemed to just murder Hondas last week, not going to be a problem. If they crash, it's good. they're going to do it to themselves. They're going to earn that. <laughs> and then we can ridicule them mercilessly. But until then, I look forward to a heroic showing. Um, any bets on our winners for next weekend? I'm going to say Maverick. I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold out for him. Um, just to be on the other side of the bet, I think. Okay, well... That's the trouble because if I were putting money on it, I would even though it's not what I want to see, that's what I see happening as well. The guy is just so dominant yeah. right now. Yeah. Or maybe Cal Crutchlow. Just because who <laughs> really? knows? Well, I don't know I don't know his history on this track. But if he was feeling confident enough to say, Hey, I could have won this thing last week, who knows? Maybe he could pull one out. I suppose it's possible, but at the same time, he's on the same sort of hard-to-handle machine. And what he said in an interview previous to Argentina, this only got released the other day, uh, he was very candid about the state of the Hondas versus the Yamahas, both factory and satellite, and the Ducati. And he said quite clearly, yeah, if Mark Marquez was on the Ducati right now, he would just walk away with it. Um, if... I or any of my fellows on the other satellite Hondas were on the satellite Yamahas, we would be up where Johan Zarco uh, are. By contrast, he says, but we're on the bikes we're on, and so it's sort of reversed. And so mm -hmm. he was really bashing his own ride, which yeah, is something that's gotten him in trouble in the past. And I don't know how much of that is... I wonder if he's a little bit of a complainer because he's known for whining about his rides and that's why he's gone from Yamaha to Ducati to Honda. Well, in, and... that, in that same interview, he even says, I call it like I see it and I do what I feel it, I need to do. And I liked that he was very straightforward about, I like, like he likes doing different things and he has his reasons for changing bikes and, um, that he's he is one of the only Honda riders who has experience on other manufacturer bikes. That is a valid thing, but according to all the riders, including this man who has ridden pretty much all of them, albeit oh, yeah. iterations, the Yamaha is the most manageable, and the Ducati is the most has the most chetbe. And so between those two things, that's just really tricky because where the Honda struggles is just trying to get that power down on corner exit, and that just robs it of all its speed on straight. Even if they had more horsepower, he said, according to him, right now they couldn't really use it. Well, so, but good thing they're going to Texas where everyone is good at bull riding. Because that's basically what they're riding, is a wild bull. <laughs> okay. That was a really bad metaphor. That was, that was um, wow. That was really bad. I'm sorry. <laughs> it sounded better before I said it. I suppose. Um, that's how you know that we're doing this in one take, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> uh, and with that, yeah, unfortunately, like, I really, really would like... I think that what the championship needs is for Vinales to crash. I don't see it happening, but I think that to keep the contention close, to keep the tension at a maximum and to maximize our entertainment, Vinales needs to somehow not get any points this next race. So maybe I... Blue Sh your Blue Shell needs to uh, sacrifice. Yes. Uh, Andre Iannone, <laughs> do your thing. Um, and just wipe him out. <laughs> that would... 
That would certainly make things thrilling that would for bust all of us. It wide open. <laughs> yeah, with that, that would really make things interesting. And it would probably put Valentina Rossi in the lead of the championship, which would give us the Yamaha tension back. Definitely. Because that would probably, the way things are going, that would put Rossi on top. Yes. I almost so, wonder if Rossi is kind of holding back until later in the season to really get cutthroat. Well, I expect, as the season develops, I expect both the Hondas and Rossi to become more competitive. Mm -hmm. uh, Vinales is a, a wonder child and has just meshed with that Yamaha so well. It's fantastic. Well, he's the Rossi, favorite. He, right he is the favorite because he's made it stick. Uh, Rossi, he's got the experience and everything like that. But for whatever reason, they're having trouble getting the bike to really work for him, the current machine. Mm -hmm. And the Honda's brand new engine. They've got development to do. Mm -hmm. I don't, excuse me, I don't think they were expecting to be that competitive this early in the season. I don't think they've been expecting to be this uncompetitive this early in the season. Although it's hard to really say that with Marquez and Pedrosa crashing due to... Pushing so hard on turn two. Yes, I think there was some sort of voodoo <laughs> magic at turn two. Probably um, because usually pushing too hard has no effect on those guys. Yeah. Least of all the current reigning champion. Yeah. If you haven't done it, do yourself a favor and look up some YouTube compilations of the guy, and you just wonder. Even in Argentina, in one of the sessions, he had a weird start where the bike wobbled all over oh, the place. Oh, that and was crazy. Yeah, it bucked him completely into the air. It would have broken anyone else's collarbone, and he somehow stays on the bike. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, really, really miraculous stuff coming from all sides. I expect to see them improve later in the season, but I think it's a little bit early for that now since they just haven't had that development. I expect to see a lot more from them after the midseason break where they have sort of a gap of about a month to develop their machines. But hopefully we'll see better things from them before then because that will keep the championship closer. Remember, we're keeping an eye on those points because that's what all the writers are going to be keeping their eye on. That's what the teams are keeping their eyes on. That's where it really matters. That's where it really counts. Anything else you want to cover before we take off? No, I don't think so. All um, right. The I'm excited that it's in almost our time zones. <laughs> we have once. been able to watch Rice's live. Generally speaking, they're at, what, four in the morning? Something our, like uh, local that. Time. Three or uh, four. With, with that, we have been the Moto Noobs MotoGP podcast. This is episode two, covering round two of the 2017 MotoGP World Championship in Argentina. Look out for episode three soon, covering the race in Texas. Take care. Bye.